Yeah, yeah there's a steaming vortex of things that are interlacing. <laughs> um, the, if you've ever, you know, you, if you start a new job or workplace or you go to a new unit, like all of those things, you kind of got to figure out how pe- who's talking to who and how. Right. Well, I was watching the people in the Libertarian Party bounce back and forth about, you know, like Jacob Hornberger and all the adult libertarians. And then all of a sudden, Joe Jorgensen shows up out of nowhere. The, the obvious yeah. controlled opposition. And she starts doing nothing but party, 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 party. So now we have this huge time waste that she she is she is fraud. She is representative fraud because now we have to argue over why controlled opposition shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's like so I'm watching all this stuff shape up in the political sphere and I'm starting to get the impression that there's a lot more going like like I think the federal government's already dead. <laughs> and everything that's happening on TV now is the show. Yeah, it's just kabuki theater until we get it done and over with. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so silly. It, when I was at the uh, national convention in uh, 2018 in New Orleans, because it's uh, right down the right down the road from my house and everything, uh, right. I was overhearing some of like the uh, the party bigwigs and everything talking. And you know, it's during a gala, so we have like loud music and everything. And I don't think they could tell if I could actually was listening in. And I was right. like, right then and there, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be done with this. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's well, just it's just crazy, uh, and how transparent it can be. Only has what twenty thousand members. Yeah, I want to say it was members. Yeah, I want to say it was like twenty to thirty thousand, and then the only people that show up there are the <coughs> ones who are going to actually attend a meeting. So I think yeah. at the height of the twenty eighteen, we had like nine hundred people present, and then it was like right. six hundred people on the floor. So, right. yeah, it's just. Yeah, if it if you don't think it's controlled opposition, I would challenge anybody to go and sit in one of those meetings. Really? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, even Buck said that. He was like he was like I'm not even sure what I was thinking when I went in there, but as soon as we get there and they're just talking about navigating through Texas politics without focusing on an education message first. He's like, I'm not even sure what this is. This isn't libertarian yeah. in any kind of way. It so. is it is a party it is a party. Right. It's a party. So as soon as you start looking at how a party runs, it looks an awful lot more like Soviet style apparatchik bullshit. <laughs> That's its nature. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, all of a sudden crazy. you hire Nick Sarwark, the lawyer, to conform to party politics and the Libertarian Party <laughs> goes nowhere because the whole purpose of party politics is to make sure nobody goes near the actual mechanics that make it go. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, and I was the the elections chair for the Louisiana Libertarian Party, and uh, some of the emails that I would get, you know, it's like all like disaffected Republicans and disaffected Democrats. Mm-hmm. And we had one guy; he sent an email. He wanted to run for city council of New Orleans uh, and run completely on a reparations ticket, meaning he was going to socket to every registered Republican in the city <laughs> to pay reparations for slavery. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, that's uh, not libertarian in any kind of way. I mean, unless you can prove, you know, this individual Republican owned slaves back then and that your family was part of that, you know, but uh, he didn't want to, he didn't want to listen to that. So it's just so funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you don't know how, it's really easy to throw a tantrum about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that's basically just wrapping up 2020 right there. We're just going to throw a tantrum fit until we get what we want. Right. We don't know what we want. We don't know how to get it, but the tantrum should get us there because someone knows how, right? Right. Right. We just had an example of that. My little four-year-old throwing a fit (laughs) because she didn't want to put her PJs on. And Mm -hmm. just after the lean down, has throwing a fit ever got you what you wanted? No. I was like, okay, well then get up off the floor. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. Got to learn how. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see the, uh, the, the folks, Oh, we want to defund the police. I was like, okay, I got a great idea. Let's hold a sham committee. And then we'll get the guy who wrote the 93 crime bill and a DA that put 1900 people behind bars for owning a plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it would be so uh, funny honestly, if it wasn't if so sad. <laughs> If that's that's the show, man, that's not real. That can't be real. Yeah, there's no way. And you you talk to like regular Democrats. It was like I, I don't know why they just didn't put Bernie in there. He he was the one I wanted. It was like you, you realize why that's why that is right. Uh, well, Bernie's better at bullshitting people than Joe Biden is. Yeah, but Joe Biden actually knows how to how the party actually functions, and Bernie doesn't. Bernie's Bernie does politics. He doesn't done the actual working and engineering. And I mean, all of the Burisma talk is enough to let you know that Joe Biden is involved. He does stuff. (laughs) Bernie Sanders is a show pony. He's there to bring the kids into the Democratic Party with this time. We're going to seize the means message. Yeah, I heard a term that could greatly describe everything that Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton are, and that's corporate Democrats. Yeah, that's a nice way, but I would just call it crime. <laughs> just straight up crime. Yeah, it's just straight up, straight up criminal activity. And uh, right, that's. I was like, let's I mean, let's accuse the uh, the mango Mussolini of doing everything that it, we're doing. It appears that all of the competent cr- uh, criminals have crawled so deep inside the system that you actually have to destroy the system to get the criminals out now, because the only place they could get immunity for their activities was inside. <laughs> So now they're all in there soaking up the immunity and the pay and the pensions. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, it turns out that we don't know anything about how money works. So very much how the Russians blew this shit up. We blew it up in 2008. And now everybody's been trying to scramble and figure out how to how to make things work. And more and more like there's less and less opportunity like there was because economic expansion can can happen at really fast rates when the Fed just is willing to keep printing up money to pay people to do stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it gives the illusion of power. Right. But, but eventually the magic money machine comes to an end and wah, 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 wah. Yeah. <laughs> Payday comes. Payday shows up. And that's where we're at now. Yeah. It's, uh, I think we're at that point where you start to see the, the cows over in the horizon and they're, they're looking to come home. Chickens are did looking see, for their roost. Did you see Mike, the newest Mike Maloney video? I uh, must have missed it. What was going on with it? it? He reported on two things. One was like eh, some some federal banking act about crime. I don't give a fuck about any of those because the feds and crime are synonymous. <laughs> so when they want to get into banks, I just know that they want my money instead of their own. Yeah. But so the other that's one a large oxymoron. Bank. Federal banking. Crime. Yeah. The, <laughs> the other one was said it's called the Banking for All Act. And it said. Oh, the, the Federal Reserve 
shall make available digital wallets no later than January 1, 2021. Yeah, no way is shall. that going to be abused. Shall. Well, well, listen, listen. We are looking at a collapse. Yes. So you could say it's abuse, but I'm going to say all the... For 40 years now, the system has been abusing everything it can. And I think what we're seeing now is the party is over. We're seeing peace in the Middle East. We're seeing um, J.P. Morgan uh, was reported. Well, let me see. How, I, I did that wrong. It was there was a $2 trillion banking scandal, and it was all of the all of the money that got laundered basically shows up all at once. Is this the 2.3 trillion that was claimed missing from the uh, Pentagon on September 10th? No, 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 no. This, this was two weeks ago and it was HSBC, JP Morgan, a bunch of other banks had functionally laundered, $2 $2 trillion for the banking cartels. And, and listen, I'll just say what this is. That corporations know how to move around the law. Right. So fundamentally, they do all this legal stuff that everybody would, would call illegal because they think they know how the law is supposed to work. In reality, you go and you read the statute and then you just don't do what it forbids you to do. You do it a different way. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it says this, this method is exclusionary you may not perform some of the things are inclusionary and they'll say you may not perform this act and then other ones say you may not do this so you find a way to do that along a different mechanic and you end up doing it anyway so that's really what happened and i think what we're really seeing is trillions of dollars get laundered trillions of dollars get printed and since 2008 every all of this 30 year guys Jeff Gunlock doesn't know how money works. Danielle DiMartino Booth doesn't know how money works. All these people are operating on theories. Yeah. So when you really get down to it, there are no subject matter experts in the room, and everyone has been operating on a plea to authority. Government control, Federal Reserve policy, however you want to call it, it's none of the adults in the room know how it works. And now that's, I think it's going to collapse, man. I think we're well into the USD collapse. COVID-19 was nothing but the, the story that has every, think about it like this. It's, a, it's like a live biological warfare scenario. And, and the scenario is used to train everybody as to welcome to psychological warfare. This is how it happens. But because it's kind of benign, and nobody's getting hurt. They're just restructuring the economy during this time. And now, all of a sudden, the Federal Reserve shall provide central bank digital currency wallets no later than 90 days from now. Yeah. Hmm. That's a pretty quick turnaround for building that kind of infrastructure, don't you think? Well, no, listen, these, these <laughs> documents have been around for a long time, but now they're being reported on openly. Like, yeah, some of this stuff, uh, some of this stuff went in uh, June 30th was one of the cutoff dates for this. So these things have been lingering in a lot of the source documents. The problem is there's so much going on right now. You got to check up on the Federal Reserve. You got to check up on the FBI. You got to check up on 
whether or not the Clintons are getting prosecuted because Jim Comey is part of the problem or the FBI has two problems. This has nothing to do with peace in the Middle East. This has nothing to do with the monetary situation. It has nothing to do with the stock market. It has nothing to do with how the euro dollar market has nothing to do with how Germany has been. Uh, you know, Deutsche Bank is a state run bank and they're, you know, they're part and parcel with JP Morgan on half of the global economy. You know what I mean? Right. So all of this stuff is flying around and then we're going to have an election. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and of uh, course, what are they less doing? than 30 they're days from now. So <laughs> they're reporting Biden's going to win again. Yeah. Remember when they reported Clinton was going to win? Oh, yeah. How, yeah. But you got to be to believe, believe Biden's going to win. I yeah. mean, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. <clears throat> it's pretty crazy. Bloomberg, Jim, Jim Bianco. Man, that guy's a propagandist to beat the band. You know, how, uh, I forget the term. You send a subject matter expert in. So Jim Bianco is a finance guy. Yeah. But he talks nothing but politics and COVID-19. And now he's, oh, the polls say Biden. That Jim Bianco is a pure, pure, pure propagandist. You got to watch that guy in action. He'll show you what it looks like. Yeah, it's almost a, a masterful touch, the way he does it. And if you're not initiated, re- you, you, you wouldn't notice. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I know the guy that you're talking about. I, I remember seeing some clips and was like, "Look at this guy just delving right in from Edward Bernays." Yep, he has a he has a, his literally his uh, his podcast is called Talking Data. Yeah, sure. As if that as if that isn't vague enough. Yeah, that's all he's doing. He's jawboning about stuff he doesn't understand. He's going to tell you he knows how to read a Gantt chart. Therefore, he knows how COVID nineteen works, and Biden's going to win. So you get continually told about all of these irrelevant things and you have to plod through this ignorance. When there is a physical barrier like Joe Jorgensen in the way, there it is. Now we get to argue about Joe Jorgensen and the, and the days of our life are wasted as this ignorant woman is waved in front of us instead of the 15 libertarians that have been hanging around for the last 10 years that, had, that were getting tired of the party and were willing to go around. Well, Jim Bianco is, you know, he's the guy who's just there to wear you out to make sure you don't ever get past the COVID-19 narrative. Yeah, because you got to be scared of something that doesn't really kill the amount of people that it says it's going to kill. And, you know, you, yes. you've got to be now, already okay. dying of other things before it'll kill you. You know, it's uh, pretty nuts. Right. Well, listen, if you go and look up the common cold, you will find a family of viruses. Yeah. Corona that is one family- of those. Yeah. That Corona is one of those. Now, the reason the common cold was unpreventable in our species since the beginning of fucking whenever was because it's too small. All of those family of viruses and and bacteria and diseases, you can't prevent them. So when you brand name it, the rules for microbiology change because that's how government works. All you have to do is statutorily tell everyone that COVID-19 is now a brand name coronavirus and we can prevent the common cold if you all obey. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh really nuts. And the reason why it's been around is because it mutates pretty quickly and there's several other different families of viruses that, that all contribute to it. And you're just never going to knock it out unless you, you want to know how to, I was just going to say, unless you're working on your immunity, you know, that's uh you know, not eating a bunch of garbage and, not drinking or smoking too much, you know, that, that all plays. And then, uh, 
first thing they get out is like, okay, everyone's got to stay inside. It was like, well, okay, well, how about going outside and getting some vitamin D that everyone isn't deficient in, you know, it's nuts. How do you get a feminist to obey a man? Oh, am I about to step on a landmine here? (laughs) You have Anthony Fauci tell her to cover her mouth. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, all the intelligent assertion that feminism brought to the table for 30 years disappeared when they stuck panties in their mouth. Yes. That's it. It's over. I don't know how modern feminism comes up with so many panties in mouth solutions these days, but it's starting to get bad and obvious. (laughs) Oh, man. That's (laughs) Donna Gebert. Donna Gebert, everybody. (laughs) He'll be here all week. Be sure to tip your waitress. Oh, you don't have to do two shows a night after shit like that. No, 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 because you'll be be running out of town on a rail. Yeah. And you live right there in Austin, Texas, which is as blue as it gets, you know. So I, I will, I will see cover and reload because <laughs> you're trained to do so, out. sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far I as the... to do so, I was not trained when not to, so I will just continue to do this. <laughs> yeah, somebody was um, talking about that movie, uh, Full Metal Jacket, and they were going through one of Arlie Ermey's line uh, about. Uh, the guy that did the uh, the Texas Tower shooting and uh, and uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and he goes, this will just show what a one dedicated Marine and a rifle can do. You know, just getting into all the brainwashing. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's not even brainwashing. <laughs> that's just that's one just the dude fact. with a high powered rifle can cause a real problem. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, <clears throat> Anytime that I hear people talk about, you know, the boogaloo and all this other stuff, I was like, you guys have no idea how many trained people are out there that could cause some serious damage (laughs) if we so chose, you know. A long, long time ago when people were going to use hand-held weapons on each other, you know, melee combat, the bigger you were and the the better your weapons, the better off this works. Right. For $250, I could go get myself a 22 Sporter rifle, and I can raise so much mayhem with a 500-round box of 22 ammo that it's fundamentally, it's, it's unbeknownst to the world of Sun Tzu. Yes. Sun Tzu doesn't understand that one man can cause that much fucking havoc. He yeah. has no clue. I it mean, is not- just from emergency response alone, you would have them all over the place looking for you. And that's just well, one guy. Listen, in, in the Sun Tzu world, you cannot cause a huge logistical problem as one human. Yeah, you need you an entire army you for don't that. have that capacity. Yeah. But, but when, when you are given certain pieces of technology, you know, a lot of people don't understand that a car is a battering ram. It's a medieval weapon of war that we just happen to know how to steer and stop. Yep. So everybody really needs to kind of understand what weapons are and it's anything you could hurt somebody with. It's not just this class of objects you could ban and pretend. And we're kind of at the place where everybody's like, what do you mean we can't ban reality from hurting everyone? I'm like, I don't understand these people at all, man. I don't get it. Yep. Um, We have a term in uh, video game technology. It's uh, called nerfing something. So you got to make it a little bit safer for the noobs and everything. So uh, the idea that uh, you're going to legislate nerfing on everybody is just ridiculous. It's just not going to happen. Well, right. 
enterprise environment factors. Somebody was told that the legislature can basically legislate anything. And it's like, no, never mind that they shouldn't do everything. They can't do everything. Right. And there are some people who are, seem to be so oblivious as to how reality functions and three-dimensional space operates that they believe their opinion can be voted upon and it will be enacted. No, none of that. Yeah. But, but how do you explain that to someone where like they use opinions as facts and hope as a method and then you got to try and talk them down. And if you do it, you're the asshole. Yeah. Like, when it comes to politics, you're wandering around and it feels like you're the one telling everyone there is no Santa. Yeah, which is why they need to get your book, The Art of War 2020. Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, I'll ramble like a fucking moron just chatting with you. So, <laughs> yeah, you like that? This somewhere like, useful. You like that segue? It just like right there? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I did the gears on that one. Yep. <laughs> no clutch. Yep. Just we're just going to white knuckle it right into the parking spot. <laughs> yep. yeah so uh, i've heard you on a few podcasts talking about this uh this new book that you got i guess new ebook um but uh i know when i heard the title i was like oh he's going to be updating some sun Tzu stuff so uh why don't you tell everybody about that i find that strange that you say that how does someone just randomly update sun Tzu? because i was staring at myself in the mirror for several months over this <laughs> because it's like I, I mailed it to, uh, do you know who Bill Boopert is? Uh, no. I want to think there I is heard a, the name, but uh, there's a Prof CJ series called The History of Irregular Warfare. Okay. Yeah. You have to go listen to it. If you haven't heard this, it is master's level understanding of several different aspects of, you know, pick the game. It's, it, you know, he's talking about irregular warfare. <clears throat> but different examples throughout time and different nuances. And Bill was an army and army officer intelligence and now like anarchist, libertarian, however you want to call it. So I, ma I mailed him a copy and I'm like, it's an act of hubris to not have anybody look at this before I attempt this here. Just have a look. Right. He didn't send me any hate mail. Okay. So <laughs> I called it good enough. <laughs> um, so Art of War 2020 is somewhat abstract like the Art of War. And the Art of War is included as the first appendix. So you get both books. Nice. Um, it's really concepts that you take and you apply to everything you're going to do in a game or a competition or a system or a strategy. A government is just a system. Walmart is just a system. Learning how to do these systems and learning how to play them and learning how to exploit them for your own benefit, learning how to protect them, all of those things. So there's just a, it's, it's kind of just a bunch of, really just a critical thinking and learning book, but it's how do I find my place in a very, very large system like the War Department? And how do I apply the concepts of the art of war to myself? Because if I don't know what I'm doing around here, I'm just a cog in the machine and those things die quick. Yeah. So I'm going to become a competent warrior. I'm not just going to know my job. I'm going to know what's going on to my right and left. I'm going to know why my supervisor has me here and has those guys to my right and left. And I'm going to know what the commander has for this platoon. And I'm going to know what the brigade is doing. And I'm going to know why I deploy. 
And if you don't, and if you start losing your handoffs in how all this happens, you end up not knowing where you are in a situation you don't want to be in because you are now fundamentally not ready to be there. So you're either PTSD or regrets or living a life you don't want to live, or you're not paying attention to any of it and you're in it for the college money and then you're dead. Yeah. So it's all of the factors and it's all of the things and it's, you know, you go from there because it's, it's kind of general from, from that aspect. Yeah. And it has applications for everything else. Uh, you know, I, I work in uh, civil engineering and uh, so a lot of the times, you know, I'm the designer, so I'm kind of like in the middle of everything. So if I know what the principal designer and what the engineer are doing, I can kind of anticipate what they'll need next uh, type of thing. And uh, you know, that's a, that's a great tool to have in your belt because when they're starting to ask for drawings that nobody else has worked on, but you've already got them done, you know, your, your light shines a little bit brighter than everybody else's. And that's just a mundane example. Right. If you're really good at your job, people who are waiting for you to do your job aren't waiting. Yeah. They're calling you saying, hey, we're good. We're slow on this end. So you're anticipating people's movements because you understand your place in all this. I kind of look at it as the War Department intentionally tries to keep everybody not knowing what they're doing and everybody on a contract and everybody following orders and everybody on a paycheck. And the minute they're not playing by the rules of that game, they get their whole economic and professional life shaken and threatened. Yeah. And okay. I kind of understand how that happens because if you're not going to, this whole organization doesn't revolve around the individual. Well, that particular organization is supposed to, its entire mission is to preserve the rights of the individual. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. That's why it's there. <laughs> uh, right, in theory. Yeah. So if we are all performing that task in a manner that will not perform its function, then we will all be taking college money, pretending we know what we're doing, and then make, you know, bringing home the methodology from a war and saying, yeah, we have to do that to the civilian population now because, you know, crime. And that's kind of how it works over the course of years is the, the war tactics come home. Yeah, they always and do. Now it, they always do. Well, here's here's something where I could say it doesn't really matter. Psychological warfare is any state of confusion that doesn't have you perform it. It's any state. It doesn't matter what the excuse is. It's this task is no longer accomplished. Once the electricity hit the population, we all have this state of war of the worlds going on. Think of it like Orson Welles. Every bad piece of political advice, every bad piece of every, every wrong fact, you know, every, everything that somebody thinks they know. Yeah. All of this has been bouncing around. Now we could say since the bullet hit JFK's head, but I would say that's more of a, you have a military problem in your politics. People are dying. But if you just look at the TV since JFK died, all of this is we must keep the politics going, even though you have a military solution. But nobody knows how to perform any of it because it's so complicated and there's so much information to sort through. There's no way everybody gets to the bottom of it. Yeah. 
And I had this discussion with my wife the other day because she was like, man, I don't even want to look at the news about, you know, the debates and everything because everybody's lying and I don't have the time to go look up 12 different sources to maybe sort of kind of get to the middle where, where the truth might be at, you know? So and that's everybody, you know, we all ain't got the, the time of the day because we're all working, you know, nine jobs, just trying to keep a, you know, roof over our heads and everything. And, uh, you know, I can put on my tinfoil hat on that one and say, well, it's meant that way on purpose. Yeah. Well, so it takes an order of magnitude more, more work to dispel bullshit than it takes to create it. Yeah, exactly. So the propaganda, the propagandist has a really easy job. He's only got to create argumentation and then it takes 10 times the amount of work for somebody to clean his mess up. So everybody has to become their own propaganda filter. Otherwise the adults can't keep up the unpropagandized child ratio the unpropagandized child to adult ratio starts getting way out of hand to the point where all the children are propagandized and there's almost no adults left. Yeah. So because we're all living in this electrified world where every bad idea that could possibly be in the public sphere is just out there, everybody's having their time and their life soaked up just through their own ignorance of very complicated social mechanics that look like you being told you're not allowed to work because you won't wear a mask because it will help. None of that being true, except you can't go to work. Yeah. Because some cops will show up and they'll tell you you're not allowed to. The thing is, this goes back to the drug enforcement policy. The DEA never got more than 10%. I want to say they hit 10% one year, but it, it was single digits every year. Their per, the, the DEA's performance on keeping drugs out of this country was single digits or 10% on the good year, right? Right. So they were failures. It has nothing to do with whether or not drug enforcement policy was moral. What None of it. None of that is relevant. Yeah. The, the resources deployed were a complete and utter failure. They performed 10%. If we give it 10% every year, we're still 90% short every year. Yeah. Can't even keep drugs out of federal prisons. Something that you have a complete control over, allegedly. <laughs> right. Well, guess what? They can't stop the economy either. As a matter yeah. of fact, it's way harder than drugs. Yeah. So most of this is, believe it or not, this is self-imposed fuckery. People are running scared because they believe they know stuff when they don't. And then they will self-impose all this stuff. Here's where we all get the, the pincer movement. Corporate America is going to, you know, in Donnie's world where you take away all the corporate immunities, all the corporations lose their immunity. So corporate America has a positive incentive to continually to enforce the mask narrative, because should the federal government of the United States fall over, they will no longer have corporate immunity. Right now, they're going to tell you enforce masks because they are under the U.S. legal system. They could be sued. Because the legal system is garbage and somebody could sue you for a COVID death, even though COVID doesn't really seem to kill people or be anywhere or be preventable by any of the measures. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all a propaganda thing, but you could still be sued for it. Oh, of course. You could still have the cost of that trial. So not only does it appear that corporate America is going to lose all of their immunities, but it also appears they're more than happy to tell everyone to. They're more than happy to participate in propaganda to attempt to keep them. Yeah. And that's that's where I look at it like fascism. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, corporations and government working together, what could go wrong, right? 
Right. Well, in such, you cannot argue that they are not coordinating together. Uh, you just have well, to look at Alex Jones just for that. I mean, all of the big uh, social media sites uh, cut them out in one day. <laughs> right. When the coordination problem gets solved on that scale, everybody do- everybody can know one thing. Hey, wait a minute. That doesn't all happen by accident. So when you see these players all moving in unison, everybody should start saying, wait a minute. You don't have to like Alex Jones to see that is a coordinated movement against him. And if they're coordinating on Alex Jones, what else are they coordinating on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think Big Brother's a lot bigger than everybody thinks, but they just don't understand that it's really hard to sort through all the data of humanity. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And anybody who's uh, survived the recent uh, Facebook purges because, you know, we have an election next month. And <laughs> so now some right. of the, the bigger names are, you know, their pages are getting taken down for community guidelines infractions that they're not going to be banned. They're all going to be taken offline because right now is the most effective time for them to be anti-government. Right. That, and that's all it is. So everybody starts, you know, do any of the people pay attention to this is how it's working. Joe Jorgensen shows up when the libertarian party starts being anti-party. All of the people who talk about government or disappear before an election at what point do the people start paying attention? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's hard to shake somebody out of their slumber sometimes. It's like, no, 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 you got to get up. Look at look at what's going on. And they just went, no, 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 I want to sleep. I got my football back. That's all I care about. It, you know, I, I'm starting to have a real hard time looking looking males in the face where their their majority of their life is about you know fantasy football instead of their own retirement. Yeah. Uh, that's a definite, especially somebody who's over the age of 30, <laughs> yep. you know, you should be yep. should already have your, you know, whatever it is that you're going to fund your retirement with should already have that sorted out by the, by the end of your twenties. But, uh, you know, look at how all these people engage in politics. They engage in it like they're football fans. Yes, they, it they is. It is theater like, for ugly people. So, yeah. Yeah. They're out of their mind, man. Yeah. Like I've done a lot of crazy shit in my life, but these people are fucked up. <laughs> I was like, I've jumped out of perfectly good airplanes for no reason other than to get to the ground as quickly as possible. You know. <laughs> oh, I want the phrase "perfectly good airplane" defined before I use it. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a government I've airplane. Out of perfectly operable aircraft. <laughs> and watching these people commit politics, they act like they know how. And man, I like I went to a government school, and I went to a private school, and then I went to the War Department. So I have lots and lots and lots of schooling. I don't know what these people are talking about, but they act like they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a crying shame too. I, I should, uh, I should, uh, qualify my statement by saying, uh, in a plane that was built by the lowest bidder. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. With my, it's uh, awfully ridiculous. with my M16 made by the Hasbro corporation on my back. Um, Really? Yeah. My airsoft qualification badge. (laughs) Hey, Donnie, hold on one moment. Due to the growing demand for liberty-minded publications in Europe, the DoNotTax.me project is issuing its first physical paper magazine covering free market economy, science, personal liberty, and politics from a libertarian's perspective. A magazine is nothing without its contributors. That is why we need their help. Do you have an intelligent article that you think should be published in our first edition? Submit it to us. 
Email your submission to info at do not text.me. Topics that we want to publish are free market economics, laissez-faire, personal liberty, and libertarian-minded content. Keep the size of the content between 600 to 3,500 words. Submit an original content that has not been published anywhere else. That's info at do not text.me. All right, and we're back. No, that was uh, one of the things in uh, basic training. I was like looking at my thing, and uh, one guy's uh, rifle said Mattel. <laughs> like it was made by Mattel. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, man, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel here, guys. Oh, well. But yeah, it's uh, watching people getting obsessed with it. And they almost have, especially during the time of the uh, conventions and debates and everything, everyone wants to say, now, what he should have said was this. And, and the only thing I see is like a bunch of nerds sitting around a D&D table. <laughs> you know, he needs to roll a D12 here. I was like, okay. Listen, I was wandering around last year and I was talking with Dave Smith and Pete Kionis and they were all they were all staging a mutiny. Yeah. They at least were trying staging to staging yeah. a mutiny. Right. It, no, no, no. Listen, it wasn't they're trying to. These are the people who have thousands these people have more libertarian followers than Nick Sarwark does. Each of them. Yeah. Combined Dave more Smith than the Libertarian and, Party account. So Huh? I said combined more than the Libertarian Party account. Exactly. Well, these guys were staging a coup, and then all of a sudden, the party money shows up and Joe Jorgensen shows up. Yeah. Who we haven't seen so, since 1996? When she ran with Harry I, Brown? Yeah. Listen, again, the whole point is they brought in someone who's going to, sh- who's going to shuffle this fucking narrative into party politics yeah and that is where you know my first book and honestly this book ended up being all of the all of the questions that i was getting from the first book are pretty much what i wrote the second book about i had already written a bunch of the second book down kind of first i had i had been working on this second book for years but it's so goddamn abstract that i didn't i even man it took me four months to figure out what order to put the four chapters in <laughs> yeah, I shit you not. I, I can imagine. I can imagine. You know, sometimes you have to work backwards with those type of things. It's like, all right, I know it what I want to say. Backwards. The first chapter is zero, but I don't get to the concept of zero until chapter one. Yeah. So I started going. You know, you end up discussing similar concepts in different chapters, but you don't really. When you discuss something in, when you discuss one concept in three chapters. When you're trying to break up those, you know, it's just text. It's just text in three different documents that I'm cutting and pasting into a different document because I wrote it down in like excerpts of three paragraphs to three pages at a time and just trying to get this all in line. Like, man, I I just quite I didn't quite realize how hard it was because I guess there's a lot of this, you know, Venn diagrams are not something everybody goes into. You should learn it eventually, but, you know, you don't get taught that kind of stuff in school. No, no. <laughs> yeah, Venn diagram. It's like what? A van diagram. I can look at a Chevy Express. I mean. Well, your your supply train, your logistical supply train and your intellectual supply train run exactly the same. Yeah. You have to have all of your handoffs in order because if you don't have a handoff in your logistical supply train, your shit doesn't get to you. And if you have a fallacy in your supply train, you end up 
throwing your point somewhere in the wrong logic. It doesn't function correctly anymore. And when you do a, you know, a Venn diagram is A plus B, and then you have that C in the middle. And if you don't put A and B together, then C is not correct. Yeah. And you'll have a lots of people, lots of people try to do this. And I don't understand how so many things get broken. But I do understand that language is a real problem because it's not even nailed down correctly. Yeah. Especially so, when you get the postmodern people coming in saying, well, that word used to mean this, but now we want it to mean this. And we're like, Ugh. so infru- so frustrating. I, I have a, I have a, there, the way I break this down is there, it's, if you think of a tetrahedron, it has four points. Yeah. Well, I want you to label each one of these four points in your head. Letter, word, definition, and sound. Now, the way humans slash primates communicate is only one of those four points. Screaming. That's how monkeys communicate. Yep. So here we are, X amount of years later, screaming at each other, but... It doesn't work that well because all of these words oscillate around and the screaming isn't really high fidelity communication. It's just a volume. Literally, it's a, it's a my hands and my legs are moving and my mouth is moving and my sounds are going. Are you receiving me over? It's like but you I, don't necess- I hear something. <laughs> <clears throat> exactly. But you don't necessarily know. Yeah. Well, seven, seven percent of communication is written. You know, it's text. It's, it's the articulation. It's 7%. Well, if you think about it, if you take away the tetrahedron model and you just lay it down into a triangle, you lay down word and definition and letter at each point. So if you follow the one axis, it goes from word to definition. And if you follow the other axis, it goes from word to letter. Yeah. If you follow the third axis, it goes from letter to definition. So what is a symbol that comes with a definition? It's a hieroglyph. That's exactly right. It's one of our first uh, written communications. Right there was hieroglyph and symbolism. Well, here's what else I know. You could triangulate this way. So if you can imagine the English language was being assembled with hieroglyphs, where each letter or each symbol had a definition then your word in total would be assembled by, it, it would be the sum of its parts. It would be the hieroglyphic sum of its parts. Well, because we don't do this, we go to Merriam and Webster and we look up the word definitions and what do we find? We find the same spelling for a word and we find more than one definition very, very often. Yeah. And sometimes the infuriating see this other word for a definition. Right. So you get synonyms that are very close and then you get more than one definition. So all I'm saying is when you start looking at the English language, I I am finding that the dictionary is not correct in a way, in this way, there is basically one definition for every word. Yeah. Somebody will argue with me against that, but I've been able to go through huge swaths of this in my head where you take, you peel apart the synonyms and you peel apart the nuances of each definition. And all of a sudden, all of those synonyms and all of those words, they, they don't overlap. They don't have Venn diagrams for the synonyms have Venn diagrams of other words. 
Yeah. So there are some words that aren't base words. They take two other words worth of definition to even assemble. <clears throat> well, this is the lawyer's playground. It's not just the lawyer's playground, but this is psychological warfare 101. When you screw it up and you do it the wrong way, you end up sending the bad message and you're, you're screwed up again. Yep. It's uh, casting spells. That's why we call it spelling, right? You know, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, but I've seen these weird things too, where people will, you know, I saw it was a random show. I can't even remember what it was. And there was this, man, I want to say she was late teens, early twenties, Asian female. And she's just explaining like, yeah, when I look at stuff, I just see shapes and stuff in my head and I figure it out. <laughs> like that's what she's saying because she doesn't have the words to articulate her own thought process. Right. But her own thought process seems to look at words or, and then break them down into the symbols that they are made up of and then attach a logic to them. And she seems to just figure this stuff out in the blink of an eye. Hmm. So I'm, I'm seeing other people associate these things together. And I, I think people played hell with our language. Like, you know, if you want to go right down into Mockingbird, somebody sat down with how does this language function properly and let me break it. Uh, referring to the uh, Project Mockingbird with the CIA control of newsrooms and that type of stuff? Right, but go a little deeper than that. I no. mean, what do they do? They, the, the CIA, they, they train a spook. Well, what is a spook? It's supposed to be a ghost, I mean, right? Guy, well, it's supposed to be somebody who works for the company. They go, where do they train? They train on a farm. Yep. So it is my, I think they take a spook and a spook basically becomes a wizard. He started, he learns that humans are animals and he, they, they are given because they are trustworthy and they are savvy and they are educated. They will be given this answer key of, look, humans are dumb. They're dumb. They're dumb apes. You're going to go out into the world and you're going to manipulate them. You can't get caught when you're going to manipulate them. So we're going to train you on how to do it. Yep. And they basically just train them in white magic and they bullshit them. They train them in the finer arts of bullshit. How do you create the perceptive illusion of getting away with a lie? And you're going to conduct an intelligence operation. I just find it strange that they, they call them spooks and they go and they train on a farm. Yeah. Good and the boy. more you find out about it, it's all of these terms. They just come back. They fold back in on each other of this seems to be how it works. I think the CIA understands white magic. I think they have a, an answer key to the English language, so to speak. Yeah. You can take whole courses on neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. But if you really think about it, that doesn't, if neuro-linguistic programming, okay, we're all performing neuro-linguistic programming on each other. Cause we're talking it out. Like I said, we're chimps yeah. streaming at each other, but it doesn't work like a typewriter. When you're, when you're, when you're performing neural linguistics with a keyboard, it's typing. It's done. When you're performing neural linguistic programming, you might have to tell a fucker 18 times. You might not know why he doesn't understand. You might want to type it out for him. Yeah. So the programming part of the neural linguistics part kind of bothers me. But if you're very impressionable and you're very undereducated, I, yes, neural linguistics does work on those people like it's magic. 
simple lies will send these people into the weeds because they don't know anything about anything. They, they'll take any excuse. They trust people really. They, you know, it, it's really just a violation of people's trust. Taking someone's lack of education, using it against them as a weapon, all the way to the point where you might kill them, you might take away all their stuff, you don't care if they're in jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really using, really using people just because they, they can be used. Yeah, and even afterwards, they'll defend you up and down, swearing how good of a guy you were. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you would ever do that to me. You know, the people who tell you not to say fuck around the children are the ones who fuck the children. (laughs) Yeah, I have definitely noticed that anyone who stands up on a moral high horse with that type of stuff, it's time to start looking. It's like anytime I've done business with somebody who's got like the the Jesus fish and a cross on their uh, business card, I start grabbing from my wallet because I know at some point I'm going to get screwed out of money. The, the Roman Catholic Church has been op. Listen, I'm from Pennsylvania, so this the the crime that's being pulled out of Pennsylvania right now is showing that that hundreds hundreds plural there was yeah. an S on the end <clears throat> over three hundred known, and you know they they said ten thousand victims, but that's just a low end. Yeah. So over the course of 30 or 40 years. So my home state of Pennsylvania was invaded by the Vatican. They sent in men of the cloth in black. They raped the children for 30 years systemically. Now they've been caught. And every ignorant argument will be used to defend the Catholic Church, the Catholic religion, the story of Christianity. So when you when you break this all down, like okay, I understand you get some um, hygiene stuff from religion, okay, but that's got nothing to do with religion. You get authoritarian control religion. I think that's got a lot to do with religion, right? But but the real thing I'm starting to argue against with religion is you have a story that is so powerful for some odd reason that it will cause, and I'm using this word intentionally, and I don't give a shit who likes it, a hallucination. That is so powerful, it will allow the systemic raping of the children in every direction all around you. and You won't notice. Yeah. And if you're a Catholic, you're paying for it. Well, listen, I I mean, I would state aloud every Catholic priest in this country should be removed physically and taken to Rome and dumped off every single one of them. Right. And then someone would say that is persecution. That's not correct. That is this, that organization systemically hides rapists, and we, this is known. Yeah, but the, they but just the move them from one is, diocese to another. Well, here's the real question: What kind of mental illness is religion when the adults will find a reason to defend it, despite the fact this organization rapes the children? I, never mind all the financial contributions, because there's plenty of churches that don't rape the kids. I'm saying this is a global corporate entity that moves rapists around systemically for what appears to be a thousand years worth of Reich. And the story under which they do so is so powerful that people will defend it along every aspect and they'll, they'll try to shrug it off. They'll be like, Oh, well, you know, yeah, that's not all of the That's not all of the church. Okay. Which, which parts is it? Because 
they tell you you have to give up all your secrets or you can't go to heaven. That sounds like an intelligence network. Yeah. They used to sell indulgences. Right. So, so every way they it like the entire structure of religion seems to be struck around Stockholm syndrome. And then you tell people things are going to be like the fundamental premise of religion is it's all based on after your death. Well, you, you know what? You can believe what you want. But let me tell you what I'm certain about with economics. I could shoot you in the fucking head and take all your stuff and call it a business model. And you could believe you're in heaven. Yeah. So it kind of works out for me to take the believer and shoot them and then take their stuff because they don't seem to understand basic economics, but they do seem to understand the afterlife. So maybe maybe I should be the lord of the economic side and they should go be the lord of the afterlife because it makes more sense. They're trying to tell me my life will be better in the afterlife. I'm saying my life will be better right now if I send them to the afterlife. Yeah. Because I get to keep their stuff. But spoken but like every what, true cult leader out there, <laughs> you know, if you just right. sell me all your worldly I, possessions, you know, just give I'm it just to honest me. about it. Yeah, I'm just honest about it. I'm not your Lord, your God. I'm the guy who understands economics and you understand God. But here's the thing. I also understand what a rape network looks like. And apparently when you understand the afterlife, you forget what the rape network looks like or something. Yeah. And that's the part I genuinely don't understand because I don't know a lot of people I was Catholic, but then my parents, like when I was nine or 10, they went to Baptist. Yeah. So I'm starting to wonder like, okay, wait a minute. The the people who do this, I know lots of religious people. They're not this dumb. Yeah. They're really not this dumb. So I don't understand how this has, has been allowed to perpetrate for so long. I, I really don't get it. Yeah. And then even the people on the back end that, you know, do the office type stuff, you know, they're moving people around too, and they may not know why. <laughs> so, hey, there, there are people in the military who do not know what they are assisting in. Right. Because they know they do the paperwork on this end, but they really don't know what that activity looks like on the other end. Well, this network, you know, the Vatican isn't as big as you think it is. Like it's there's Each church only has like two or three priests. So while it is a large organization, it's not like the army. Yeah. And that's just so, kind of spread out all over the place. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I, I really don't understand how the, like I understand, you know, people want to have a religion. That, I, I'm starting to think that the concept of socialism is to abuse other people by their beliefs. You, you instill everyone a concept, and that is you respect a human being based on what they believe. And that seems to be a false, a false premise. You respect a human being based on their ability to educate, you know, their educated ability to articulate. This one isn't dumb. It doesn't profess its beliefs to me and then make me part of the problem or the solution or whatever. But but when you're properly socialized, there seems to be this aversion to telling people, no, no, I don't give a shit about your beliefs. No, I don't care. No, I'm not going to be involved. Right. And, well, that's where it seems to come from. You know, somebody's told they're not allowed to say no. And all of a sudden, all this, I don't get it. Yeah, we all we are even seeing that with uh, politics these days, you know, because they're talking about, you know, the Green New Deal and uh, you, you got to give all your allegiance over to the new green state. 
and we're there is something- sell you a carbon credit, you know, the form, you know, the new form of indulgences. <laughs> Here's kind of where I'm going with this. I'm looking at the crypto sphere and the regulatory sphere, and I, I'm just saying it out loud. The only tactic left for all of these lion cocksucking politician pieces of shit motherfuckers, all of them. Mm-hmm. Is time disintermediation. They already know that stuff is broken beyond repair. And now they're just trying to, um, the American regulators are trying to keep free market crypto out of the American psyche and media sphere until the, the regulated stuff can get in place and offer itself up first. Does that yeah. make sense? No, it totally makes sense because Brad Sherman, you know, sat there on the floor of the house and was like, look, these Bitcoin people are, you know, trying to uh, decentralize money and uh, they're trying to take away government power and all this. And he was just basically stating the case. They're all like, yes, yes, that is exactly what we are trying to do. And then he's coming from it uh, from the approach of, well, this is evil. We need to stop it. Right, right. Well. Well, yeah, but none of that's relevant. Like, if you will take no for an answer, then people who will screw you will just screw you. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the, the Wall Street people don't care. They've come up with this, and they're putting it out through all of their news channels. It's called ESG, environmental something, whatever. They're going to try and convince everyone that this whole green politics thing is still a thing. And you should invest in it. And Europe and America, you're going to have to. Like, um, Real Vision. Real Vision used to be a really, really good channel. And now they're just a really good channel because they've invited these other people on. Um, and they're pure propaganda. They're, listen, they are cookie cutter Jim Bianco propagandists. <laughs> um, that they really are. Ash Bennington and some other asshole that... that, that um, literally, they use the same phrases. Here's this asshole with today's top stories. It's a story. Yeah, it's a story. It's it's information poor ramble that's supposed to just jam a bunch of bullshit in your ear, and then they make. I I swear to God, man, there's a there's a censorship department, and any good piece, any good source of information gets a propaganda stuck in it. Yeah. I swear to God, this continues to happen. Yeah, that's why we have those supercuts of like local news channels all reading from the same press release. Well, listen, some of that can come off AP. I get that. Right. I, and there's a reason that, it, that it's funny like that. And that's because they all are being coordinated, even if they were doing that by accident. Yeah. They are being coordinated with the same pool of information, which means they are being biased by the same pool of information, which is Conan's point. I'm just saying, I'm watching these, you know what, an, a, a kind of a good example, I don't want to shit on anybody, the, Pete just had a had an episode out like yesterday or today, and um, what, he's on another podcast with five or six other people, and one of them's name is Xavier, and he's doing, he's yeah. doing some kind of, well, um, Pete said, I caught my name in it, and he kind of name dropped me, and so I went and looked at it, and it's it's kind of not what I'm getting at. That it's kind of the it's kind of the regulatory stuff that America has been a really infertile ground for blockchain development. So now you're starting to see some stuff be allowed, and the real problem is the stuff that's being allowed appears to be this regulated stuff. Um, Xavier is in an LLC, which in and of itself is the problem, but it is an attack facet, and it is where the SEC has gone after other companies. 
Yeah. Well, he's doing payments in USD. Um, if you're not going to hook up to a, a free market crypto, you're still in the U.S. banking system and you're still playing the U. So you're, you're still really attached to the old system. And that's kind of a problem. Right. And then, oh, and then there's some kind of intellectual property. Uh, where do you get your intellectual property enforcement from? The state. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> so it's. It's like Stefan Kinsella isn't a guy, you know, that we've all been listening to about IP for what, the last 10, 15 years? Yeah. Some ideas are more heavyweight than others. And what I'm seeing <laughs> is this I <laughs> I'm seeing like some this idea, it's it looks like an increment. And that is, look, you get to take instead of paying Visa, you get to send all of the money fees for the processing fees, and you get to use that for social good. And I like that. It's just one, but it's only a 10% solution. Because it has an LLC that's going, um, be, because you're going to be looking for IP enforcement and because you're going to deal in USD. Yeah. Therefore, you're really not doing anything other than cutting out Visa. Yeah. And, and, and I'm trying to cut out the government. So when you're trying to cut out the government, Visa is not even a necessary step to cutting out the government. <laughs> it's just one way to start reorganizing without visa but not without ip enforcement and not without um u.s banking yeah and, and nobody needs banking that's the, there's a real fallacy that everybody's involved in there, you do not need a banking system you yeah. do need the ability to coordinate and organize non-fraudulent payment methods but you don't need a banking system so understanding the subtleties as as to what you do need and how you can accomplish it, how you can get your banking system in a crypto system. You know, if people don't have that education, it gets, gets rough. Yeah. Uh, So that's the reason why I've been seeing the last uh, year or so. There's always this little story that'll crop up every now and then it's called the crisis of the unbanked. And it's all those poor people out there who can't afford banking fees and so they'll go to like uh, cash now places and uh, or just dealing cash directly. And my inner my inner agorist is like, this is not a problem. This is a problem only because you think it's a problem. <laughs> Some of those people would rather not have their money taken well, from a banking institution. Who's in going to report on everything that they do <laughs> in America? It's hard to deal straight in cash. Yeah, it really is. Andreas Antonopoulos is probably the best guy on the I I am not allowed to bank story. Yeah. He's he's really got the good one where you just sit around and go, okay. Yeah, just ask any pot dispensary out there about dealing in cash only. (laughs) Right. Well, listen. So let me tell you a personal anecdotal story. Up in Pennsylvania, I knew people for years, and they never, never could not get pot in an hour and a half. Never. Yeah. You go over there. Hey, got any? No, but I can go get some. What do you need? Yeah. Just like that. Now, this isn't my generation, man. These are people from my dad's generation. Right. And this was never a problem. Then legalization hits in Massachusetts. And lo and behold, all of Pennsylvania started drying up. Yeah. Can't Hard. find it anywhere now. Well, well, here's what I hear. So then I get the skitty. It's all the people who were growing up there were basically allowed to grow by the federal government. If you remember, you know, there were you could get a tin. It had a national stock number of pre-rolled marijuana. That's what they would call, you know, cigarettes, comma, marijuana. 
Yeah, and it was uh, get them. rolled on the same machinery that the Marlboro Reds were rolled on. Correct. Yeah. So the federal government was in control of that stuff the whole time. Nobody knew where it was being grown, but it was allowed. Yeah. And it was just showing up in the market. Well, as soon as it went legal, guess what? You couldn't get it in Pennsylvania, but you could drive to Massachusetts and get it for twice the price. Yeah. So it really just became a regulated market. And, and honestly, there's a lot of people who think black markets are a thing. They're not a thing. Black markets aren't a thing. Governments are a problem. And they'll tell you that economies should, some of the economy is black. Well, human trafficking isn't a black market. It's inhumane. Yes. It's still a market. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. Not advocating it's that still, at all. <laughs> correct. Oh, absolutely. I don't advocate for it, but there it is. It's a market. There is some human being out there who will kill those humans and turn them into adrenochrome or a blood potion, if you like to use the occult terminology. Yeah. And 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 that's a lot, a lot of what this is, is you just keep changing the terms around stuff. And then people won't know, okay, well, this is kidnapping and human trafficking. You could call it a black market if you want, but I think we should call it what it is because they're going to tell you that the guy who's got 400 pounds of pot in his car is the same guy who's got four children in his car or an entire island market right they're both in well well listen if you got pot in your car and you got kids in your car you're engaged in black market activity yeah so this is the kind of stupidity that the average voter has been fed for years oh it's all black market activity it's guns and drugs and kids and stuff yeah it's all the same thing and when you lump it all together, you tell, oh, that's right. The cops, they have this really hard job. No, they don't. Half of them are sitting in parking lots, jerking off, not doing anything. When they do have to go do something, they go harass people for activity points. They're not running around stopping murder. Nope. There's not enough murder for them all to stop. So, you know, we're kind of being bullshitted about 40 different ways. And well, I wrote two books because I'm tired of the bullshit. Yep, and uh, that's probably a good place to leave it off for tonight. Uh, Donnie, why don't you go ahead and give us the plugs of those two books and your website? Uh, the Art of War 2020 and the Null Hypothesis of Politics.com. Uh, the Null Hypothesis, or uh, the, my first book is How to Automate a Legislature, and my second book is How to Get an Education That Will Get You to Avoid a Legislature. Yeah, they're both free. Um, so go get them. Yeah, definitely go out there and get them. It's uh worth worth the reading. And um so Donnie, it was uh it was fun, even though I, you know, back in Louisiana I couldn't have you up in the uh in the uh, Dallas apartment anymore. But uh <laughs> That's that's sad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was a good little setup. I liked it. Yeah, it was uh it was like so bare bones and it was like, yeah, we're just gonna put the table, boom, couch, chair, there we go. Got it all set up. <laughs> Hobo chic. Yes. Yes. Derelict to use that movie reference there. But, uh, yeah. all right, Donnie. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we'll uh, catch you next time. Well, I'm pretty sure you got another book probably bouncing around in your, in your old noodle waiting to come out again soon. I'm sure. I'll be, I'll be honest. I expect people to pay me to stop writing books at a certain point because this is going to get out of hand in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Once <laughs> you start connecting dots and it's like, Oh yeah, start jotting this down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. 
All right, man. Take it easy. Have a great night. Okay. Thanks. You too. Bye. All right, folks. And there he goes. Donnie Gibbert coming back on the show. It's great to get uh, guests to come back on sometimes. And I I really like Donnie. He's uh, got a pretty good head on his shoulders. Uh, He sees the world and, kind of a different way than, uh, than even I do. in in some cases, he's just able to discern things that, uh, most people might miss. So, uh, go down into the show notes because I'll have all of his links down there that you can just uh, click on. You ain't got to get into the, uh, into the duck, duck goes or the start pages.coms and all that stuff. Uh, cause it'll all be listed down there for your leisure, <laughs> for your ease of use. For your customer experience, like we uh, like to talk about all the time. But also, you will find other links down there in the show notes. Uh, mainly, how to support this content creator. This, n- seemingly like the only person not on OnlyFans these days. Uh, you will have links down there to support the show. Uh, Patreon, Subscribestar, Float, Cash App, PayPal, which is now starting to accept Bitcoin. I just heard. <laughs> uh so if you would, check out those little links as well. And and guys, you know what? Um, head on over to the Anchor voicemail link down there as well if you want to leave a voicemail. Uh, funny jokes are appreciated. Uh, bad jokes are even appreciated because I can probably yes-hand them and punch them up and make them funny. <laughs> uh, if you got a question for the show, you can always hit me up at uh, rebelwithacausepodcast at protonmail.com. Or you can hit me up in the DM in uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, wherever's. I will see it. If you got a pretty good question, I, I do like uh, fielding the questions sometimes. Those are kind of fun. Uh, but otherwise, uh, take it easy. And uh, we'll, we'll come at you this weekend that you're hearing this because I have a uh, Halloween spooktacular coming out. That's right. And none other than Naomi Brockwell. That's right. Bitcoin girl. She's going to be on the show. So look for that one this Friday night. Boo, right? Because it's spooky season, Halloween. All right. Uh, hey, Rebel. Uh, yes, Harry. There is a Pokemon in this room somewhere. I'm sorry, what? There's a Pokemon in this room somewhere. <sighs> Give my son back his iPad now. Now.